and in taking care of patients and communicating with fellow nurses or environmental services or physicians, whoever it might be, we have to really focus on the quality of our relationship and communication has to be excellent. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Ruth Frankenfield, a James nurse and a psychiatric mental health advanced practice nurse. Ruth is an expert in several areas of nursing and relationship-based care, including the sometimes difficult but important area of assertive communications to resolve conflicts, which is what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast, Ruth. Thanks, Steve. So I'm always curious to find out a little bit about your background, my guest's backgrounds. How did you get into to nursing and then all mm-hmm. your different specialties along the way? Um, I went into nursing um, because I knew when I was six years old that I wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> you know, it took me a way a, a period of time to get there because I grew up in the '60s and did the whole '60s radical thing. Um, you know, grew up from there and and then went into you know followed my passion. What, why into do you nursing. think at the age of six was there something on TV, a relative that impacted no, you? No, I mean we Just, didn't hardly watch TV. I don't. Honestly, Steve, that's a really good question. I knew one person who was a nurse, but her model of nursing was showing me how adept she was at flipping a coin off of a very starchy, tight bed. So, <laughs> I don't know. Nursing's yeah. come a long way a since long then. A long way, <laughs> right? No, I'm I'm sure that I heard about nurses, you know, working in hospitals and had you know an experience here or there with nurses in physicians' office and so on. And I was attracted to the healthcare field and helping people and. I don't know. I just knew. You were a natural caregiver. Uh, I, was a, I guess so. Where did you start out? Or what did you start out doing? What type of nursing? Um, I started out uh, doing med surge nursing, so caring for um, a general population of in-hospital patients, um, and did that for two or three years, and then um, moved into labor and delivery, and did that for uh, two or three years. Uh, from there, I uh, became a home health nurse, so got the opportunity to work with people in their own homes um, and get you know a broader view of individuals um, struggling with healing from a variety of illnesses um, in a very personal way. It's much more holistic in the care. Um, and, you know, during that time, I'm going to school and, you know, got my master's degree and um, got a took a position with the Columbus Health Department um, as site director of a program de- uh, developed to do outreach to individuals at high risk for HIV infection in this particular uh, population were IV drug users and um, sexual partners of IV drug users, most of whom were engaged in prostitution. So it was really um, a program that was um, nationally funded to see what level of education intervention would really make a difference with people engaged in high-risk behaviors. So you know that position, working with that population um, and the street outreach workers, um, was a real eye opener. I think supported a lot of my own um, emotional intelligence and emotional growth in terms of how do you really connect with effectively people that are very different from you, people that have a different lens on life 
than you do, um, you know, how do you reach them, human being to human being. So I think that that was very helpful. From there, I moved into um, uh, the arena of psychiatric mental health. I went to the Gestalt Institute in Cleveland. I had decided I wanted to become a psychotherapist. Um, and there was, there's a tr- three-year training program at the Institute, and um, I was trained to be a psychotherapist. So we've, I've heard that term a lot, psychotherapist, uh-huh. and I know that that's training that many nurses do. So what exactly is a psychotherapist? A uh, psychotherapist is um, an individual that uh, helps uh, folks uh, look at um, – struggles that they might be having in their life, um, moving forward sometimes. Sometimes it's anxiety disorders. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes um, they're in conflictual situations with partners, with work situations, just a variety of issues that they just can't seem to get through. They're stuck, sometimes um, stuck in their careers, their creativity. So, you know, you address a wide variety of issues, but helping them work that through and gain some insight. Now, is that done in a hospital setting where there are patients for something else or where they're they're coming to see you for these life issues? Um, You don't don't typically do psychotherapy in hospitals because it's... um, it's usually fairly intense. It involves a period of time. Um, patients in hospitals are really there for their uh, medical conditions. So while we do counseling and, you know, we're able to see a patient, you know, two or three times for, you know, a half hour or so, it's different from seeing a person in your office. So I had a private practice in Worthington, um, and um, I had clients that I saw for an hour at a time over a period of, you know, it could be weeks or months or years. So good. So that, that gives me a great understanding of it. And now I guess the next leap, the next jump is how when you came here to the James, mm-hmm. um, how you took those skills and what you brought here and how you used them to help people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that the experience that I had and the training that I had uh, as a psychotherapist, as a counselor, as well as the experience that I'd had in doing a variety of um, nursing roles in various settings, um, including hospice, um, really created an ideal background for me to um, understand and um, connect with uh, patients that are going through, you know, life-changing illnesses, sometimes end-of-life experiences, life-threatening illnesses, um, and work with the staff, the nurses that are taking care of them and some of the um, concerns and struggles that they have in, you know, really being present and feeling as though they're um, giving the best that they can to every patient, every family member. Yeah, you know, that's something I'm just starting to really learn about fully is this concept of staff taking care of one another and Mm -hmm. having experts like you that help staff with their um, issues. And in 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 one of our past issues, your colleague Amy Lindsay talked about that Mm -hmm. and how people can relieve stress and that you coach and help work with them. And so that's just amazing, this whole awareness and growth of this area and so that's what you do now. Right. And then one of the other, so in addition to that, this concept of 
assertive communication to resolve conflicts. Mm-hmm. That's another area that, that you're really an expert in. So fill us in. What is that and how do you help um, the medical staff here with that and how does that lead to better patient care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was sitting in my office one day and was um, approached by one of the staff members who was struggling a little bit with how to um, resolve a conflict that she was having with another individual, both of whom cared a great deal about themselves, both of whom were very devoted to patient care, but they were just really at odds with one another and, you know, kind of at a stalemate. Um, And she very much wanted to resolve it. Um, And when I began to look into, you know, what are some um, techniques or models of communication um, that um, I could use to help her to navigate this difficult conversation, um, when I began looking into the literature, um, learned, of course, that um, these uh, conflicts that individuals get into, whether it's in a hospital or a business or the government or whatever. Yeah, there's know, conflict everywhere. Oh, my gosh, especially now. Yeah, I was um, going to say, it's not any yeah. less these days than it was then. <laughs> right. And, you know, where do we get ha- hung up and how do we begin to resolve that? What are some ways of doing that? And I learned that um, that actually, you know, um, the American Hospital Association Joint Commission of um, Hospital Accreditation, all of these major bodies um, had begun to really, really pay attention to this because, you know, while it's going on all over the world in every kind of business setting, work setting, family setting, you know, um, in hospitals, they were able to identify that those kind of conflicts, if it's about conflict, you know, um, contentious sort of communication diminishes um, the communication that's so important and necessary for patient care. Right. Okay, because people don't communicate fluidly when they're, you know, um, feeling insecure about the communication about the other individual and what do they say and how do they say it and so on. Um, so that's why it you know, felt very important for me to begin to address this in um, the context of healthcare with nurse to nurse, nurse to physician, you know, whoever the individuals might be. So you had to develop on your own, I mean, with doing some research, of course, and with your background, you developed some sort of program or some sort of techniques and steps to work on this, I'm assuming. Well, I didn't develop it. I came across, okay. you know, um, a model that's now widely used, um, and it's referred to um, as DESC or DESC, which is um, an acronym um, for four, the four elements of the process. Um, the first being describe, and I, I could go go through it bit by bit. Um, but describe um, what the situation is, express how the situation or or what was said or done impacted you, Um, specify is the S, specify what you would like to be done differently, what would be helpful going forward, Um, and then the C is for consequence, or as I like to say, why do you care? Why are you making the effort to you know, bring this up and, you know, talk with the other individual about this. So um, that's a model. It's, it's elegantly simple um, in terms of the steps and that it's a very brief process. It shouldn't take, that conversation shouldn't take more than, oh gosh, five, five to ten minutes, you know. Um, 
that said, it's it's not easy because nobody likes doing conflict. Yeah, I guess the hardest part is to get people to come together and go through the steps. That's right. Right. Um, and well, I don't know, Steve. It's not. I mean, people are are willing to, you know, really figure out what it is they have to do to get past it. Where you know, and I've worked with a lot of people on this with this process, and where we get stuck, me included, you know, because I got the same issues as anybody else, you know, is um, the thing about um, DSC is that you have to get to get to a place where you're willing to let go of proving that you're right. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. You have to be willing to to prioritize the relationship. And in taking care of patients and communicating with fellow nurses or environmental services or physicians, whoever it might be, we have to really focus on the quality of our relationship and communication has to be excellent. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about DESC and learn a little bit more about each of those four steps. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Ruth Frankenfield, and we're going to talk more about the DESC uh, way to resolve conflict, which is describe, express, specify, and consequences. But first, Ruth, something that occurred to me in all my conversations with doctors, scientists, nurses, social workers, there seems to be a patient-first mentality that might lead people to be more open to it, to do anything they can to improve patient care, which would lead right to you, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So yeah. do you, you find that they're more open? Yes, almost, almost, almost always. People want to work well together. They want to communicate well together. They want to understand one another so that in um, working with patients and families, you know, not only um, are staff communicating well together about exactly what's going on with that patient and family, what needs to happen next, um, what's going to be most helpful in working with that patient family, but we also all want to work in an environment um, that's harmonious, yeah. all right, because that's when we're our most creative, and that's when um, we're happiest, basically, do our best work. Yeah, and I think we're gonna you're gonna now go through for us the the, the DE and the SC and what they mean, sure. and I think that anyone listening, no matter what field they're in, no matter where they work, you can, or even with their family and friends, you can Absolutely. use these things to because because there's a lot of conflicts these days. I mean. Yep. Some people want to get the vaccination. Some people yeah. don't. How do you discuss that with someone? Sure, sure. So, yeah, let's go through uh, the describe, express, specify consequences a little bit on each one and how that leads okay. to hopefully resolution. Okay. So starting with the D or describe, um, say, for instance, Steve, um, 
you and I had known each other a couple years, and we had decided we were going to do this podcast together, and I got here, and, you know, you weren't here. (laughs) And you didn't let me know, and da-da-da. My my cell phone died. I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) No, but but I'm getting impatient. I'm getting annoyed. And then you get here. I'm absolutely making this up but you get here and and you know you're like hi and i said well i've been waiting for 10 minutes you know 20 minutes and you're like whatever (laughs) and you know so i'm i'm feeling disrespected i mean this isn't like the uh worst thing in the world that's ever happened to me but i'm annoyed and it sets me up to having a um unhelpful and unpleasant dynamic with you as an individual um so what i would do with the d is i would first of all um, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that's a really huge part of doing this process. The first thing I need to do is um, get myself calmed down because I need to get myself um, in an emotional place where I'm neutral. All right. And I need to assume that there is something going on in, in your world, your life that precluded you from uh, connecting with me for whatever reason. Not, and I may not agree with it, but from your perspective, I have to give you the benefit of the doubt. I have to be open-minded going into this. All right. So when I get around to the D, the describe, is I'm going to say to you simply the facts of what occurred. So I would say, Steve, I got here right on time with the expectation that you would be here and that we would, you know, um, move into this at the time we agreed upon. So I described that's it. You know, it's one sentence. So the way you just described it, it would be the two people having the conflict who go through this, who've been trained by you how to do this. Yes, ideally. Because it takes a lot of training. I mean, it's a simple process, but it takes us so long um, to get past our being hurt or our being insulted or our feeling as though the other person doesn't care about us. I mean, we make up a lot of stuff in our heads about why this person did this or said this. And, you know, in order to be successful in, in building a bridge with somebody – reestablishing a healthy relationship, we have to suspend that emotional angst. We have to get to a place where we're able to put it aside and focus on, I want to improve the relationship. That is first and foremost. Not that I'm right, not that I want to punish Steve or prove to him he did, he, he did wrong to me. You know, that can't be the focus. Boy, this I, I'm just thinking of all the little conflicts I've had with my wife over the years. Uh, exactly. And, and how if it will not the unwillingness to listen or say you're sorry or right. hear the other person's perspective it can lead to bigger fights. It just goes on and on. Yep, and builds. Okay, so mm-hmm. there's the D, the describe. The, yes. <laughs> um and then um the express is to make a statement about how that affected me. So I I would say when you didn't show up and didn't express, you know, an apology, uh, a regret about about what had happened, I felt disrespected. It's one sentence. So express your express your thoughts. how how it affected yeah. me. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, important is that in this process is that I use I language. I don't say, Steve, you didn't show up, you didn't care, you didn't respect me, you know, because that will put you on the defense. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. I'm simply telling you my my experience, 
you know, what I experienced and how it affected me, you know, you're much less likely to get defensive. You're much better able to hear what I have to say because you don't have to defend yourself. So, you know, me, I'm a little obsessive about being there on time. So what if at some point where I just really said, oh, I'm so sorry, this happened, this is why I couldn't contact you. When the person acknowledges what you're going through and says they're sorry, does that do you keep going? Like if I said that right at the beginning, do mm-hmm. we keep, you keep going through the steps then? Um, not necessarily. That could resolve it yeah. quickly. But if the person doesn't understand what you're going through and, and express mm-hmm. uh, their side and, and apologize, then I guess we go to S and specify. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, and I think even if you even if you do say that, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, and I might, you know, depending on what my gut tells me, I might say, yeah, it's you know that kind of thing's important to me, you know, and I might also give you some grace and say, but I can also understand, you know, that things happen. And sometimes it's not one little thing, not well, one thing like being late. It's with relationships, it's little things that build up. And so it might be a, exactly. it's not a one topic discussion. It might be a lot of little things. Right. And, between, and each side has legitimate points. Right. But I'll tell you, Steve, what I have learned through my, you know, fairly long life at this point, but also working with people for so many years. Um, and according to the model, if you only, and it's important that you only address the most immediate situation that oh, occurred, yeah. you know, not the laundry yeah. list of everything that's happened in the last year, because it's overwhelming and you'll just get sucked into it. You get lost like down a rabbit hole. But, it, but the example that you're bringing forward right now is a good example of what's important to you, you know. Um, and if you can you know, create a bridge with that particular issue, that's going to be very helpful in the stuff in the past, All right? Because it's, it's you know, an agreement between the two individuals that, that you know, this communication, this respect matters. Okay. So what are we up to next? Um, we did the D, we did the E. e. Yeah, the state, um, the S, what, what we want differently next time. Oh, okay. Right. Be on time. Yeah. Or let me know. Let me know. Precisely. If you're going to be late, you have my cell number. Precisely. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't need to go on and on about it. You know, and that's one thing that I really like because people are so scared about doing this, so scared about doing it because conflict is so hard. You know, 90 plus percent of nurses, and I bet is more generalizable than that, will deal with conflict by avoidance. They just don't want to go there. You know, so to make it really, really simple, just deal with this little situation that occurred. Maybe it's not little, but last situation is very helpful. And that leads us into consequences. Yeah, consequence, kind of a funny word, I think. Um, uh, And like I said, I like to use the word care. It's like, why do I care? Why am I Uh, making the effort to have this conversation with you, you know, Steve, because I could just let it go. I could talk myself out of it being a big deal or just decide that you're you know, a schnook or whatever, and let it go. But you, but really, you know, um, I want us to be able to work well together. I want to be able to approach you and for you to approach me when there's something that I think would be good for us to talk about. 
you know, and this certainly is the situation in working with staff um, in hospitals and other healthcare environments, any business environment, is that relationship is so, so important. And you just, you know, want and need to clear the air. So I would say, you know, I really respect you, Steve, and I care about our relationship and I care about how well we work together. So, you know, I I really hope going forward we can do better. And then I would say, you know, does that make sense to you? Or I I ask a question like that to just check in with you and get your perspective. Okay. And it, and one of the things I found it can be hard for people to just say, I'm sorry, or I was mm-hmm. wrong. And once you get over that barrier and do it once or twice, it becomes so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in fact, see, there's going to be situations where the individual you're talking with really just doesn't share your perspective at yeah, all. right. And so, you know, what we really want is for people to be able to hear what one another is saying, what their perspective is, and and respect that. Not agree with it necessarily, but respect it and say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. So now you work with a lot of people mm-hmm. on teaching them this and helping them resolve uh, conflicts. What are you hearing back from all the people that you work with? People that I have helped through this process express enormous relief and gratitude. You know, because um, people that are referred to me by their manager or whomever, you know, by the time they come to me, they've been roiling around with this situation for a long time. and It's been causing them a lot of pain and they want it to get better. You know, they they want um, uh, a smooth, um, collegial relationship with this other person. So and they're amazed. Ruth, it seems like the James is very supportive of these mm-hmm. kinds of initiatives and, and these kind of programs to help the staff. Mm-hmm. We absolutely are. Um, the model of nursing that we use as James is relationship-based care. And when we talk about relationships, it's you know relationships, first of all, with a patient and the family member, relationship with colleagues, relationship to oneself, and relationship to community. So in every one of those four areas, there's been a tremendous investment of time and energy and attention um, to um, developing and sustaining healthy relationships. So certainly uh, the communication, how we are with one another, how we communicate, how we work through difficulties um, in a, you know, a very complex environment. Um, it is really sought after, and there's um, a lot of attention, attention being paid to it. Wow. I, I, it just occurred to me that you have a kind of a cool job. <laughs> I got the best job. It's really true. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing sure. what you did, what you do, and mm-hmm. giving us some steps and tips and a process for all of us to resolve conflict and get along better, which I think is something we need in the world today. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.